You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello. Good morning, good afternoon, or good night, or, you know, whatever it is when you're listening to this. Thank you very much for tuning into this show today. You know I appreciate you. You know I really, really, really appreciate you. There are a million things you could be listening to, and you've chosen this one. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. Um, It's been a long time coming. I'm really stoked to get it to you. I'll wrap up some business real quick, and then we can get right into all the goodness. First of all, been a little bit since I plugged the Tone Mob Facebook group. If you like to talk about any of the random stuff that might pop up on this podcast, you can join that group. We're talking about gear stuff. We're talking about food. We're talking about nonsense. All that stuff. It's a great time. Just search the Tone Mob. You'll see it pop up on Facebook. And, you know, groups are the only reason to even be on that platform these days. So if you're going to be on Facebook, why not have a good time while you're at it? Another thing, I've been talking about this for a few weeks, where you can text me. You can text me at 503-751-8577, and I know, you're probably thinking, this is just some sort of text marketing thing, where he's just going to send me, you know, Patreon updates or something. No, that's not it at all. It's real conversations. We've been talking a lot about the music business, the music industry, as of late. I've got a bunch of plans to show you some stuff that I'm trying with my good friend, Devon Blue, and if you missed his episode a few weeks ago, we kind of talk at a high level about some of that stuff. It's just a different platform, you know. I'm cutting out the middleman, so if you really want to have a conversation with me and get some direct contact, and I reply. As of right now, I can reply to every single person that texts me there directly. And yes, it's me. It's not a robot. It's not anything crazy. It is totally me, my thumbs, texting you back. So that's 503 503- 751-8577. And if you ever decide it's not for you, all you have to do is text stop. Just text stop. And then it'll stop. You won't hear from me on that platform ever again. But it's been great to connect with people there who don't have social media. There are a crazy amount of people who actually don't have social media of any kind. I've had over 20 people go out of their way to say, hey, thanks for doing this. I don't have social media, and this makes me feel actually more connected to the show, more connected to everything. So it's not a place where you can go to expect a bunch of, you know, Pell pictures or guitar gear stuff or anything like that. It's a lot more random. It's a lot more things I'm thinking about at the moment. And as of right now, it's about trying to help creators, you know, create and do the things that they want to do. And right now the focus on that is, you know, business-related type things. But that'll change over time. Either way, that is a direct contact to me. And that number will be in the show notes. But here it is one more time. 503-751-8577 if you want to text me. Okay. Let's stop jibber-jabbering. Let's get into this episode with AWOL Pedals. Here we go. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, a show about guitar tone and people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today I have AWOL from AWOL Pedals, who you've heard on this podcast before, but not by himself. So, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, dude, this is a long overdue podcast. We've known each other off and on, mostly through through Grant, uh, for a couple of years now, and I don't know yeah, why definitely. this is the first time we're doing it. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, I'd sent you like one of the early, early nano boosts, right? Mm-hmm. And that was like, I want to say that was like 2017 or something like that, maybe. Sounds about right. Somewhere in that ballpark. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, man, it just time just flies, you know, and 
pretty soon it's you know the next year and you're like oh man i still haven't gotten that pedal out and that's uh (laughs) (laughs) that's essentially that's essentially my life uh (laughs) i uh, i understand i understand i'm like three Uh, years into a project right now i'm like i can't is this ever gonna come out like totally feel that it's like uh if there was a mantra for my life it would be that things take longer than you think they will (laughs) yeah and and oftentimes like when you really look at it like longer than they should you're like why but why why did that take so long (laughs) i don't understand (laughs) yeah but man what's your story i know you used to live in washington but by the yeah. time I met you, we were in Nashville. Like, what's what's the backstory there? When when did you start playing guitar? Take me through the whole journey. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm from the Northwest originally, um, as you know. Uh, was born in Oregon, and uh, a family moved up to Washington when I was like five or six, and uh, spent most of my life in Washington State. Um, kind of picked up guitar around like middle school age, like twelve or thirteen, and. Um, Kind of, yeah, kind of was into just learning the instrument and, you know, really diving into how expressive it was. I think it's like the second most expressive instrument after the human voice, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, it was just really interesting. And uh, on top of that, like learning about like tube amps and effects shortly after uh, when I was in high school, uh, it was really interesting. And at that time, I was kind of getting into some soldering and uh, wasn't really building like circuits necessarily, but was building just basic utility boxes for myself, things like AB switches, tap tempos, uh, like loopers and things like that for, for routing, um, and just simple, simple devices like that. Um, and I did that for a little while and then, uh, went to community college for two years and then, uh, moved to Boston, Massachusetts to attend Berklee College of Music for, uh, I was looking to study songwriting, but not get a degree, just kind of learn more about songwriting. And um, it was something I was really interested in and uh, specifically like on acoustic guitar and um, how that lives in the pop world, you know, nowadays. And uh, as I was doing that, I kind of kept doing pedals as like a hobby, as like something on the side. So I'd finish like my schoolwork and build pedals for my colleagues and friends. Um, and kind of do that for a little bit of cash here and there. And then, um, yeah, I sort of gradually started liking that more than what I was studying, um, like more and more as the the semesters went on. And by my fourth semester there, uh, I was just like, you know, yeah, I don't really want to study this anymore. don't really want to pursue a career in songwriting. Uh, I really like guitar pedals, though. Um, and yeah, it was kind of a kind of a weird time, and I had been to Nashville one time on a school spring break trip, um, and kind of fallen in love with it. And um, yeah, I had met some contacts here that build pedals, and were doing a little bit of that. And um, two of them offered me a job, and I took one of them and uh, moved down to Nashville, and basically worked there for like eight or nine months, I want to say, and then. Uh, shortly after that, you know, I worked uh, at a repair shop. Um, I worked at Eastside Music Supply. I don't know if you know of the place, of course. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great. Um, so I worked there briefly and did some different, like, jobs on the side and had some side, you know, some side hustles here and there, as one does. But it was kind of always doing the pedals just a little bit, like, on my own while, you know, like, uh, working for another company and, and whatnot. And it was... Uh, yeah, it was kind of a long time coming where pedals slowly, slowly transitioned from being a hobby to like a hobby I made money on to like, I was like, okay, maybe I can be good at this. Maybe I can brand it, you know, maybe I can make it my own. And uh, and then AWOL Pedals was born out of that. And um, specifically with like a desire to build things that I kind of uh, hadn't seen before and uh, particularly small pedals and in like a form factor that I hadn't really seen attempted and um, yeah, it was just kind of something something to challenge myself with while building, uh, you know, pedals still and making it more and more of a, a business and a, a source of income for myself. But yeah, so that kind of basically AWOL Pedals became a brand kind of early uh, 2017 and um, yeah, I was designing circuits and really interested in one knob pedals. 
And um, yeah, that's that's basically it. I ended up meeting uh, Grant and Karen from Big Ear Pedals at NAM. I actually won their pedal board too. Uh, <laughs> I, oh wow! I, enter, I entered that giveaway, the 2017 uh, Summer NAM giveaway, and I actually won, which was crazy. And um, I had just briefly met them and met the people at the, you know, the boutique effects showcase we do every year. And um, yeah, so they they were really nice and kind of became really good friends and kind of just networked with different people of the uh, of the industry little by little. And um, yeah, now it's, I guess, what I do full time and kind of crazy. I feel like it happened like very fast, but um, yeah, I'm extremely grateful to to have what I have. And it's just cool to be in such a rad, like collaborative community that's so supportive of uh, one another. And yeah, I... I don't know if I'll build pedals for the rest of my life, but right now I like building pedals, and I'm totally okay with uh, with doing it for the rest of my life currently. It's such a uh, yeah, it's such a wonderful community, and I know like half of this podcast is me talking about how awesome it is, but it just you know I I was really exposed to it when I was trying to start this show, and I was like, well, who do I want to talk to, you know? And I'm like, well, it'd be cool to talk to. You know, Robert Keeley, that'd be cool. And, uh, you know, so I just looked at his website and there was a phone number and I called it and some, I'm like, Hey, uh, I do this podcast and I, I would really like to have Robert on. And then like a couple minutes later, like, yeah, just a second. And he's like, Hey, this is Rob Keeley. And I'm like, wait, it was that easy. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just reach him, right? You just call him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is, I was like driving to work. He's like, yeah, we can do it later tonight. I'm like, what? And I, I got to work, and uh, one of my good friends worked in the same place I did. He was a contractor at the facility I worked at. And I was like, dude. And he, he, was a, he was a bass player in my band, actually. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm interviewing Robert Keeley tonight. He's like, you're doing what? <laughs> I'm like, That's so yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs> I'm interviewing Robert Keeley. And he's like, oh, how? how are you? I'm like, I, I got this app, which we were just complaining about before we were recording, but uh, it worked well at the time. And, uh, yeah, and, and that was, like, my real first exposure to him. Like, wait, like, people will actually talk to me. And that has kind of led to, you know, I, I feel like just those people giving me the chance to interview them and, like, you know, just put myself out there in that way and, and then help sh- share the show after after they did it. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, I was on this podcast. A lot of that was really crucial to this actually getting some momentum and being quote unquote a thing. So yeah, no, I feel know. that that's so it's, cool, man. And sometimes you just, you do just got to ask, right? Like that's like the way things work. We think uh, a lot of times we like make the decision up in our heads. Like we, we give them a response in our heads and it's like, we, when we haven't even asked yet, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of times the, the answer is no, you know, like, and then you have to realize that that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, like, you can't let the, you can't let the, like, negative or, like, the, the chance of having a no prevent you from, like, asking. Um, yeah, definitely. It's, and I think uh, what's, what's really cool is, like, you started, I, I want to say you were probably one of the, like, earliest gear podcasts that I know of. Um, there's, there's more, there's certainly more of them now, but um, when you started, I'm, I can't really think of many others, right? I was fairly early to it. I started in 2015. Um, at the time, there was 60 cycle hum, but it's a little, that's definitely like a different format, right? They're mm-hmm. very focused on the used market and finding you know weird people to talk about, which is a little bit of a different thing. They were around for probably a year before me, and okay. then the Guitar Nerds, which was known as the GAK podcast at the time, was. I think they formed around the same time as 60 cycle, but there okay. again, they're like focused on a completely different section of the market. Neither of those do interviews, uh, chasing tone with, with Wampler was actually a, a big inspiration for me to start mine, uh, which ironically now I co-hosted like 250 episodes of at this point. That's so cool. But yeah, it's been crazy, but yeah, I started because I saw like a hole. I was like, there's nobody interviewing, like there's interviews with guitar makers and guitar pedal builders in magazines online and in print, but there's no like 
there was no interviews that I liked to listen to. There was no like long form conversational interviews with these people at the time. And I was like, well, I think I can do that. Yeah. Let's try it. No, that's <laughs> great. I, and I think like, I love your format and I think it's so like, it's like so raw and, uh, uh, conversational is definitely the word I would use, right? And that just, um, yeah, I, I don't remember there being like a lot of gear podcasts like in audio form at the time uh, like this. And it was, yeah, it seems like a it seems like a good jump on it. And uh, yeah, it's it's such a cool it's such a cool uh, avenue to take, you know, because we we don't, typically don't hear uh, that much from these different builders and people who make gear and anybody in this, in the industry, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a really interesting like springboard into all these for me from like being like an ex mechanic and oil industry guy, like all these opportunities that I can't hardly wrap my mind around sometimes because I wasn't growing up. I was like, I'm not going to work in the music industry. Right. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be a, some sort of blue collar, you know, guy, which there's, absolutely nothing wrong with that it's just sure not what i expected at all like i i mean just today like it, i have to like pinch myself sometimes like i listeners will know but i'm a massive lucero fan uh they're banned out of memphis and i just interviewed brian one of their guitar players a few weeks ago and i just had an hour-long phone call with him this morning like my wife and i have been listening to that band since we were teenagers <laughs> That's so, <laughs> it's like what what is this life that is that has happened because I talk on the internet? It's very very surreal sometimes. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think the internet connects people in in ways that uh, in so many different ways that we're just not fully understanding yet, and um, it really really has shrunk in the world in a in a good way, and has has allowed different people in the community to to converse and be there for one another and uh yeah it's made the i feel like it's made the community tighter i mean certainly i mean i i have people not like nashville is my home away from home you know and like you're one of the only people that i've seen physically in the the you know the gear community this entire year and yeah you know, no 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 kidding that was it's a weird, a weird time <laughs> <laughs> but it's like how how did it become you know it's kind of a it's hard for people and myself even sometimes to wrap my mind around like na wait these this crew of people in nashville all gathered together you know we were safe and all that good stuff on you know grant and karen's oh, back yeah. porch that was such a fun hang man i love it was that. so good it was yeah. so weird though <laughs> was, yeah and i think i think you had visited like during uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you visit during like Oregon fires and like California fires? And I was like, "Hey, Blake, world's on fire. Good to see you." <laughs> um, it was <laughs> something like that. It was just before, or okay. just after. Yeah. I can't remember if it was just before. It was probably no. It was just before. It was just before. Uh, I think California was going. Um, okay, but yeah. Oregon was was not at the time. If I'm remembering correctly, I could go back and look at my receipts and figure this out but I can't. sure yeah <laughs> i know i know that the fires in oregon proper were going on labor day um uh, okay yeah yeah that makes that makes sense and you were out doing string joy stuff yeah yeah they were moving shops and i was there uh being a very licensed and regulated electrician very, <laughs> yeah, very no, licensed zero osha violations whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> none None, None whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> no, nor would there ever be. But yeah, I was helping do some uh, do some construction over there ahead of moving the machines and stuff to the the new facility that they're in. And uh, I'm really really tight with the crew over there. And Scott, you know, I, I talk to him literally every day. You know, that's about great. Something business related somehow. So that's been fun. It's been fun to watch them. Uh, grow and do what they've done. I it seem they're the reason I go to Nashville so much. So it's like I'm a big uh, big part of the team over there, which is fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Scott's awesome and they uh, they do some cool stuff over there and yeah, I love I love seeing like a string company. You know what I mean? Like if if, if for for nothing else than variety. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I think I think it's just cool that uh, something like that can exist and does exist in Nashville. It's it's so creative and different. 
What's really weird about it, not to turn this into a commercial, because they already have an ad at the end of this podcast, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Double as far yeah, as far as I'm aware, and as far as Scott's aware, they're actually the very first manufacturer of strings that's existed in Nashville, which is yeah. kind of weird to think about. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, because like um, the major companies, right, are using a lot of shared factories and stuff like that, right? So him having his own equipment and doing it in house is like really cool and you know really respectable. It's, it's a really weird thing because like. Uh, D'Addario, they're they're huge, and they manufacture for themselves uh, and a lot of other brands. And then it's like a lot of there's a kind of a misconception that there's like only three, like or four big right. factories that make for everybody. Which I understand why that perception exists because there is a lot of white labeling. There are definitely way more brands than there are manufacturing facilities. But uh, there's actually that I can think of because I got this question the other day on Instagram and off the top of my head, I could think of nine that I knew for sure were making their own stuff. Okay, and that yeah, that's not in that's the not US. Bad. There's there's more in Europe, um, but uh, off the off the top of my head. And then Scott said he, he there's a couple more that I missed. But so there's like between nine and like 15 in the US. And then there's like a handful in Europe as well. And then they're yeah, all over good. the world. It's more than I thought. But, yeah, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird niche, niche, niche thing to like obsess over. <laughs> it's very I, I feel like the machinery for it's pretty, uh, pretty specific. Yeah, it's very specific. That's the thing. It's, you can't just really adapt something. I mean, they're, they're lathe like at the end of the day, but there's some very specific things that need to happen and they, every manufacturer does it differently. That's what's really crazy. Some people think that strings are strings, but. They're not. They're they're yeah. all made. They're all at the end of the day. They have to. It's metal wrapped around metal, but they the way you go about doing that can have a huge impact on everything. But anyway, that's a that's a topic for when Scott comes back on the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, what made you decide to do the small box things outside of just being different? Um, I've kind of always liked small pedals. Uh, I just. For for me, as like uh, someone learning about electronics and whatnot, I kind of I kind of learned that it often doesn't make a difference um, when it comes to like the sizing. Like the the actual starting board layouts gonna be generally more important than the form factor of the pedal, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I was kind of into small pedals, and they had these like these square. You know, Hammond enclosures. It's a 1590 LB for for my nerds out there. Um, but yeah, I had the square enclosure, and I was doing a lot of utility pedals in it at the time, like tap tempos and favorite switches and stuff like that. And um, I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to do more pedals, like pedal pedals in this. And um, and for me, it became like clear that I probably couldn't have the knob on the on the face where the foot switch was, just because of the the general shape of it and you're just going to step on it otherwise so uh yeah i just kind of designed it around what would be easy to like step on and use as like a pedal because i feel like a lot of small pedals are aren't like really designed from the ground up i feel like they're just kind of shrunken down regular size pedals which is cool but um i don't know i just kind of wanted to take a different approach to making like small guitar pedals and smaller electronics and um kind of design them to be small from the ground up. So it's like, you can't step on the knob. It's literally out of the way. Um, <laughs> right. And, like, and likewise, the the jacks are, of course, like um, staggered. So it's easier to like hook it up with other pedals. And you can kind of, it gives you more options to kind of rotate the pedal. Because a lot of people do that. And um, I, know, I know like Grant hates that. And some people hate when you have to like rotate a pedal or anything like that. I, I don't really mind it. But um, I saw that people were doing that. And I think having a pedal that is square uh, that can be rotated and can fit in these different awkward areas of your board uh, is is beneficial and uh, definitely holds holds some value there. And uh, yeah, because most small pedals were or are still kind of just like tall and narrow, which solves uh, can solve a problem uh, on the board. But uh, I just wanted to solve like a different problem. And when it comes to spatially saving uh, pedal board <laughs> real estate and uh yeah it's 
and something that you can do instead of like an Altoids tin or you know <laughs> uh, putting putting guitar picks or whatever on your on your board. I think it's it's cool because you can utilize space that you normally wouldn't be able to utilize. You know, just because it's such an awkward shape. Um, but yeah, it was kind of it was kind of more of a challenge to myself, right, to like make small pedals a little bit differently um, because mm-hmm. I'd always loved them, but I, I I didn't really I didn't feel like their design was uh, like very innovative. I, I, I did just feel like they were shrunken down big pedals. Um, so I just wanted to do something different, you know. Uh, I felt like that was what I had to do, um, ra- you know, to, to keep myself like sane and happy. You know, I didn't really feel like I wanted to just make another pedal. Uh, I, I didn't think that would be exciting enough for me. And um, yeah, it's been, it's proven a lot of, uh, pretty difficult and um, definitely had some challenges because it's like there's there's not really a blueprint for designing my pedals like there are for designing pedals in like a bigger style um, like box or you know a tube screamer size enclosure or boss pedal size enclosure right there's there's less um, there's less to learn from other companies if you know what I mean so uh, for me it, there's definitely like a lot more challenges to phase and I'm not like a certified engineer but i do a lot of engineering in my job you know so uh yeah it's just it was just fun and i kind of wanted to wanted to try something different and try a different approach to small pedals and um yeah that's kind of been what's uh what's been the haps lately and i do have other like circuits that i want to do in different form factors that i want to do but um yeah this small pedal format i kind of just like fell into by like challenging myself to uh, to make small pedals differently, and now that's kind of the form factor I'm doing. I have you know two pedals out now that are like that, and uh, a few a few prototypes that are like ready, and one that's like ready to be released in the next month or two. Yeah, it's it's really cool to try to squeeze it into that shape. I'm I'm with you. I don't think that most mini pedals necessarily, and I think they do save space and they do save they do serve excuse me serve a purpose. But I don't think they save as much space as they look like they should, right? Yeah, they, definitely. And by the time you factor in cabling and everything, it's like, well, that didn't really save me that much. The exception to that rule being the ones that you do and the custom enclosures that Ranger Effects makes because they're yes. small and then he's got them designed to where everything can be top jacked. So yeah. those actually do save a lot of room. Yeah, I really the love those a pedal. lot. Those are yeah. those are those are very interesting, and uh, I, especially the mini bar. I think is I think spells are super cool. Yeah, I, I've got the dwarf bleep that uh, actually was a gift from uh, Kevin Equitz, who's also down in Nashville now. Uh, oh, cool. Been, yeah, and uh, yeah, Equitz guitars. He's been on the show before. Everyone, you can go check that out if you want. But yeah, there's so many of my people are in Nashville. <laughs> there's so a, many. there's a good little motley crew of us down here, you know. It's almost as many, maybe just as many, as there are in Portland, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Like, yeah, there, these two there are hubs. several for sure. Um, but yeah, so can you clue us into anything that's coming, or you still got to keep that on the DL? Um, I'll say right now it's it is a bit of a diver. <clears throat> excuse me. I'll say right now it's a bit of a diversion from uh, the first two. You know, if the first two you would classify as like quote unquote dirt pedals right or gain pedals um mm-hmm. you wouldn't really classify this third one as that um, necessarily so um yeah i'm excited for that it's a lot more parts uh, i will say that uh, right now it's um yeah it was a bit of a challenge to to make but yeah i think people like it it's just something different and new and exciting um and we'll be it'll be fun to add another pedal to the lineup and um I've done a lot of like re-engineering and revising of the design over the last three years, and I'm very happy with where it is now, um, as like both being pretty streamlined and then also um, like not not costing me an arm and a leg and not taking me forever to build. And it's 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 a good happy medium where it is right now, and I'm really I'm really stoked on how the build process is going currently, um, specifically with being able to. Um, try different circuits, you know, like on a breadboard and very quickly being able to implement that into the one knob form factor now. Oh, cool. That's exciting. 
I'm excited to see what that is. Yeah. Uh, another it'll, thing. It'll fun. Oh, sorry. Oh, we walked on each other there a little bit. Sorry. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is you, you've done a lot of modifications on line six pedals, specifically DL fours, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for sure. What, what made you start doing that? Um, so I, uh, I worked for a pedal company when I first moved down here, uh, down in Franklin that mostly did, um, like modding and utility pedals. Um, and one of the jobs I was brought on for was to like be the DL4 guy, to be like the guy who, uh, (laughs) like did most of the mods and got those out. Um, so I kind of learned really, like I really honed my skills in modding that particular pedal at that company. I, I did countless, uh, DL4s, uh, when I was working there. So really, um, it was kind of when I, when I began my own thing and, uh, a little bit later, I kind of knew already how to, how to mod them and, and kind of known what I liked about the process and what I didn't like and what I wanted to change, like. Uh, that company spray painted them and I didn't really like the way they turned out. And I was like, I think you can just powder coat these, you know, it's just a standard aluminum enclosure. So, um, yeah. And your, your listeners may or may not know that I have, uh, I do a lot of the processes. Like I don't, I don't talk about this a lot, uh, on my social media or necessarily, uh, to anybody, but I do a lot of the process. Like I do pretty much everything except the printing of the graphic on the enclosure. So, I do, you know, I, I order the metal enclosures, I, uh, I drill them and sand them down and powder coat them, and then they get sent to Oklahoma to get printed, and when they come back, I do all the general assembly and soldering and ship the pedal out. So it's like, it is a, it is kind of like a one-man shop currently. Um, but yeah, so with the DL4s, I already knew how to powder coat, and it was like, well, I think I can make these look a little fresher, you know, by giving them, like, a fresh coat of paint in the proper way, like like they are from the factory, you know, and um, doing so, you can kind of get some really cool effects and sparkles, and I think the one that really popped off was the pink one that <laughs> people, people seem to love. It's like a shell pink, kind of, um, and yeah, I, I kind of been able to do the mods that I already knew how to do, but like refinish it and make it a little, a little classier and do some different things to, uh, to bring new life into the pedal, you know? The pink is very classy. I'm a big fan of it's the It's a crowd favorite, pink. man. It, it doesn't go away. Like, uh, <laughs> there's, there's always somebody who wants, who wants another pink pedal. What are some of the more popular mods themselves? Um, so... A very popular mod on the delay pedals is the Infinite Repeats mod, which is essentially just like a momentary switch that maximizes the feedback. So, and it's momentary, so when you hold it down, it's active. When you let go of it, it's not active. Um, But it's cool because it brings the delay repeats into oscillation. It basically makes the pedal think the knob is all the way up, uh, even if it's not. So... It, that's kind of cool because you can kind of hold a chord or note and hold down that switch and it just starts repeating and repeating and uh, eventually oscillates. And the amount to which it like does that and how crazy it gets kind of depends on the mode like of the of the delay. So some of them that really go into crazy oscillation get louder and louder until it's like distorting like crazy, which is awesome. And some of them just kind of stay at the same volume and kind of do like an auto swell type of type of floating kind of you know. Thing and they just kind of, it's almost like an EHX freeze pedal or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, the, the Infinite Repeats mod that I do on the DL4 and the Electro Harmonics Canyon delay, uh, both kind of do that cool uh, self-oscillation and uh, hold kind of function that uh, I really like in delay pedals. And I think a lot of people do that anyway, <laughs> like with their foot, like they'll turn the knob all the way up anyways. So it's like, I don't know, it was a, it was a no-brainer and I felt like that was uh, an important mod and that's definitely a favorite. Um, the other ones are probably like the switches cause line six DL four switches are notoriously bad and, uh, just fail people on tour repeatedly. So those, I get switched, those get switched out for better mechanical switches. Um, there's a bit of a volume drop, um, in the output of the pedal, um, compared to when it's just 
it would just be bypassed. Um, so there's a little bit of a fix there you can do with some resistors to increase the output, particularly in the output buffer section of the pedal. Um, yeah, so those are, I would say those are the most common mods. There's some other cool stuff too, but yeah, those are the, those are the most common. And of course the, the refinishing pretty much everybody wants. How tough is it to strip the original finish off of those things? Oh, okay. So, um, this is a good question. Uh, it actually varies per like which line six you're doing. And also depends on like how old the DL4 is because they've, they've actually changed up their powder coating process for that grain over time. Um, the older DL4s that have like the script logo without the little like metal emblem at the top, those mm -hmm. actually strip really easily. It's like a very thin coat of powder coat. Um, the newer ones do not strip as easily. They're, they're really hefty. Um, they require a little bit more scraping, a little more chemicals to get off. Um, and then like, likewise, the other four series, uh, line six pedals, like, um, the, the, I think it's like the DM four, which is the distortion one. That one's yellow. Uh, that one comes off pretty easily. The two tricky ones are the blue and the purple, the MM four and the FM four. Those do not come off. Those do not want to come off. And so oftentimes you just have to do your best and put a lot of elbow grease into them. It's, it, so it just is. It's just like any other finish. You're chemically stripping it and yeah, it's sanding a, it's and scrubbing and whatever else you got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's just a powder coat. Um, I think with the some of the older, like the purple one, the FM4, it's like, an industrial powder coat or something like that, where it's cooked a little hotter or something like that. But um, yeah, the green is pretty easy, and uh, it's particularly on the older ones, it's just it's easier. But yeah, it just strips off like any any normal powder coat, and basically you strip it and sand it and clean it, um, and then heat it up in the oven first to remove any uh, any of the gases that might have been trapped inside from the aluminum or the chemical. A paint remover and then you powder coat it and just like that just like you know brake calipers or uh engine headers you know it's you can powder coat it and make a smooth finish and and it i think it particularly looks cool on the dl4s because it's such a weird strange <laughs> alien looking enclosure um and so when it's really nice and like a candied kind of finish on the outside of it it looks really good have there been any like big bumps in the road that you've encountered along the way with your business? Has it just been like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't see that coming or just, you know, things you've learned along the way that you might be able to save somebody some headache on? Yeah. The, um, the road's very bumpy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just say that right now. Um, yeah, it's very hard. Uh, but I'll say certain, there are certain choke points to, to the business. I think that um, are particularly hard that I've kind of talked to about, I've talked to with other pedal companies um, about and um, the enclosure in particular of of pedals is really hard. I think it's the, obviously we're all, like all in manufacturing um, to varying degrees depending on what we do in-house and what, and, you know, and what we outsource. But, um, the, you know, we're manufacturers at the end of the day and the, um, the enclosure is very tricky because it's a three-step process and generally you want all those processes in one spot so you can minimize on shipping costs. But um, that's not always like the best option or the, the best solution given uh, given the resources. So yeah, it's, it's just tricky because it's, uh, it's like a, it's a long process of like get the enclosures, uh, get them cleaned up and drilled or CNC routed. Um, get them prepped and powder coated and then get them printed. So those are the main, like, you know, drill, uh, drilling, powder coating and printing are kind of the main three steps to like developing an enclosure. And they're all, I, I would say they're all, uh, they all have challenges, uh, along the way with each of those processes. And, um, I was talking to Christian from adventure audio about this and we were really talking about how, like <laughs> we were lamenting together really about, uh, the, the closure process. And he said something that, that I agree with. He says, you just don't have a product without it, you know? And that's, it's like, it's so hard to do an enclosure, but it's, you don't have a product without it. And he's right. 
um, it's definitely a tricky a tricky part. So if you can make your enclosure uh, process streamlined as a pedal company, I think it'll, you will make it a lot easier on yourself. Um, so that's like that's definitely a choke point and a hurdle that uh, you need to get over. And then also say like I think if you're doing any sort of revising like which is most pedal companies um you're doing any sort of like re-engineering or optimizing of a current design um to release like an update uh i think it's sometimes it's tempting to want to leapfrog onto the new process or say you have you're working with somebody else or you're outsourcing to a different company than you normally do and it's very tempting to just be like okay this is going to work i'm going to leapfrog from process A to process B because process B seems to be more uh, more lucrative and more you know more of a time saver. But uh, you actually oftentimes don't want to do that. It's ideal if you have the resources to uh, split uh, between the two. Like you know maybe do half of your next batch with you know your current process and then take half of a new batch or even less to try a new process. Um, you don't want to derail the train or take a sharp left turn out and try something new. Uh, if, you, if you're if you not completely confident, uh, it's going to work. And oftentimes it's like I've in the past made that mistake where I'm like, okay, I think I can do this instead for the process. And then just like I totally like jump ship, you know, and do, uh, <laughs> do that process. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's going to be hard and there's going to be challenges like there always is with uh, changing processes and revising so uh, i would say it's like i would say be patient when it comes to transitioning to different processes be patient when revising and um just you know optimizing your builds over time um, be patient with that process because it is a long game and you have to be okay with uh sometimes it taking a long time to try new things and see whether they whether or not they work i think that's important for Literally just about anything in life. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, no kidding. <laughs> or any business, you know what I mean? It's like, don't just, you know, all of a sudden change everything on a hunch, you know? Like, that's not necessarily going to be a good move. You might find yourself taking, you know, two steps backward instead yeah. of two steps forward. and that, Very much so. You really want to test things and you really want to try things before you, before you commit to them. And I... <laughs> Not to get all like philosophical or, or whatever, but I think that that's part of the problem we have with with society in a weird way. Uh, with kids in particular, we we expect kids when they're seventeen, eighteen, to make this big decision on where they're going to go to college or whether they're going to go to college or whatever, and have the rest of their life figured out, at least career wise. And as you've experienced, that you you might not actually need to you know make those kind of commitments right then like what if you had discovered that you really enjoyed building pedals you know in high school uh you know there's there's all these different things and not to say that like school is bad and you shouldn't go or anything like that it's just we expect kids to make these decisions where like i didn't know that that i was going to be doing this in my 30s right like when (laughs) it wasn't really a thing right um you just never know. And what I like to tell people, because get people, I've got this uh, text chat going right now, and there's a lot of like business talk happening in there. And one of the things I tell people, they're, I'm like, you got to try stuff. You have to yeah, test you gotta things. You got to taste, man. You got to taste. You got to taste. You got to try try everything that you might think you're interested in, because you might find out, A, you're not interested in it. <laughs> Like, yeah, oh, I totally. thought that was going to be cool. That was, that B, was songwriting for me, man. I, I oh, liked it, and I felt like... I still like it, but I felt like it was so... Uh, especially in the music industry, it was so cookie-cutter and so like so set up like a business. Like, you do this to invoke this emo- emotion. You do this chord here to, to, to make them feel this way. And I, I just really didn't like that about it. And uh, yeah, and it's. I think it's erroneous to think that you know 16 or 18 year old you had any idea what would make you know 20 year old you or 25 year old you or 30 year old you happy you know it doesn't that doesn't really make sense no it doesn't at all and now we're expecting them to a make these decisions and b possibly put themselves in serious debt yeah 
uh, debt you can't declare bankruptcy on, right? So right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Scary. It, I, yeah, it's it's freaky, and it, I mean that will lead me down a deep dark rant if I let it. So I better be careful. <laughs> but <laughs> it's a it's a it's a big failure, uh, in my opinion. And I I I get a little bit upset because it's still like people are talking about this. This is not new information that we are sharing. That this is a broken, problematic system that we've right. developed. But yet, like when I. When I left my last job, there was there was a lady there, and she's a great person. I I really enjoyed working with her. But when she asked me, she's like, "Well, with this, like, you, you know, you're leaving this job, and you might not necessarily have, because there's a, there was a lot of like college resource stuff that was available at that job that I had, and it was great for that. And uh, he's like, "What about your kids? You know, you gonna you gonna save up for college for them?" And I was like. Um, I mean, I'm going to save money, like I'm going to be financially responsible, but I'm not going to force them to go to college. And she looked at me like I had two heads, like, <laughs> like for real. Yeah. I was like, if they want to go to school, we'll figure it out. But sure. like, I'm not going to make them go to college. She's like, but the statistics, I'm like, the statistics are wrong. Stop regurgitating those statistics. That's yeah, sure. You might make more money as a college graduate, quote unquote, according to the statistics, the statistics didn't take the debt into account though. So just because you're making whatever percentage more, if you're paying that same percentage or more towards a debt that is insanely high that you're never going to get out of, then what's the point? Yeah, certainly. I, I think, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And with college, I think the landscape of technology and of society is at a point where it's, exponentially changing faster and faster so um it's becoming increasingly less valuable to look at those statistics and be like oh i should absolutely go to college you know just because everything's everything's changing so fast and it doesn't really leave room for that type of planning um and then secondly i think um i I don't think you're you know obviously promised uh any sort of amount of lifespan you know it can end end at any point and uh i think at the end of the day, you know, it's like, yeah, you might have you might have made some money, but the bet, you know, the only thing you're able to do when you're gone is will that off to other you know, family members, and they'll die eventually too. And uh, you know, not to be morbid, but it's like money's just <laughs> money's just uh, something in a database somewhere. You know what I mean? It's just an entry. It's just numbers um, at the end of the day. And it's like you really have to live your life. And you really have to be okay with getting up in the morning and being happy with what you're doing because it can certainly end at any point. So uh, it really is about the journey. There's no there's no sense in uh, chasing after something you don't enjoy for uh, something as abstract as money um, when it really won't last. And, you know, at the end of your life, you have to be happy with the decisions you made and the uh, the, cor- the course that your life took. I mean, 100%. You hit the nail right on the head. I mean, referencing that last job, I made a lot more money there. Like, a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't didn't like it at all. At all, at all, at all. And it was taking me away from my family at a, you know, the hours were, I mean, it's, and I'm not blaming it. It was a great job in a lot of ways. They took really good care of the employees and the people I worked with were great and all that stuff. But, like, the nature of that job was, you show up and yeah, your hours are from this time to this time. That doesn't necessarily mean that's when you're going to get to leave. If something yeah. happens, if something breaks, you're here till it's fixed or until, you know, insert X, Y, Z, whatever happens. You know, we put our vacation in a year in advance and there's a lot of people Ugh, that man. don't know that these type of jobs exist. There's a lot of people working in that industry that have to do that. I'm not like trying to say I'm, you know, unique. There is a lot of people that, they have to put their vacation in a year in advance. And, you know, it's and then sometimes even when I would do that, I would get called, you know, occasionally that did happen a few times. And I'm like, I'm not in town <laughs> like I can't get there <laughs> and I'm on vacation. Um, And so, you know, it just is what it is with that business. But I, I wasn't happy. And I remember driving home one time and I was sitting in the parking lot of a subway slash convenience store. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? Right. <laughs> and I was, and I was like, I put myself here. I have no one to, to point the finger at other than myself. I 
tried my hardest to get a job like this. I put myself in this position. And then I just went, well, I guess you got to try to get out of it now. And then I worked uh, worked myself to the bone trying to do that. And I'm, like I said, making a lot less money, but I'm infinitely happier. And uh, I think focusing on happiness and, you know, fulfillment as the goal rather than a dollar's dollar sign in your bank. I mean, you got to make a certain amount of money to take care of your, your responsibilities, but I don't think that should be the end goal. And I no, think you hit the nail yeah. on the head. Yeah. It's, it's certainly, it's, I feel like you, the other thing is with having kids too, it's like you are, if you're chasing money and not chasing something that you love, um, I think you're setting your kids up to be dissatisfied in their lives and unhappy too, because they're gonna they're gonna follow suit with what they how they're parented and what they see, right? So, uh, you know, if you know if, if you're putting money on a pedestal, but you're miserable, um, you know, they they're likely to make the same decisions and make the same mistakes. Uh, whereas if you, you know, do what you love and are willing to willing to make the sacrifices to enjoy your life and do uh, that which you know you dream about and that which you love, they will likely do the same, and they won't end up resenting you because they chased something they didn't want to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that is a, a shift that's happening generation generationally, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that, like, you know, when we were when we were kids. You know, we're not exactly the same age, but we're in the same ballpark. And there's a there was this focus on that exact statistic that that was being cited to me. Well, the, the, this is the number. And it's like, well, yeah, but why are we only talking about that? Like, sure, I, yeah. I think that we're going to have substantially different messages for our kids, not necessarily than my parents did, but society as a whole, I think, are going to have yes. a different set of standards than than generations past. I, I, I think that shift is happening and it's, you know, maybe slow, but I think over time, I think maybe by the time our kids have kids that that might be a little more of the focus. Definitely. Yeah. It takes time. Yeah. Nothing happens overnight. Just like the, the things we were exposed to didn't happen overnight. That took generations, you know, you yeah. got to think about like the people working in a coal mine back in the day were like, yes, go to college. <laughs> don't do, don't do <laughs> yeah. this, you know, like and people will be like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. Maybe I better go to college. And and also the things shift. I'm not trying to make college out to be the bad guy here. It just isn't right for everybody. Sure. Um, yeah. And I don't know. It's a I think that parents and I think about this as a parent myself, like I think the messaging is going to be a lot different. Uh, than probably what the public school system is going to tell my child once they get to that age. But uh, yeah, definitely. That was a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to talk about these things. I think, I think they're important. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's see here. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's lighten up a little bit because I do love Nashville very deeply, and one of the things I love most about Nashville is and the listeners all know this the food <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> what's your favorite nashville spot if you have one? Oh man um it's been a little while uh, obviously because of because of pandemic and everything i haven't been to restaurants as much as i used to but i really liked burger up um mm-hmm. uh, that was that was like a favorite spot um it's yeah. It, it was uh, it was kind of in the middle of uh, five points, and as you know, like the tornado happened, and that area kind of got hit pretty hard. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a favorite of mine. Um, I used to like going to the Sutler a lot. That was on like Twelve South. Um, it's a bar. They, they had some pretty good food too. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird being in Nashville for me. Uh, in Nashville's like food culture. Because I am, a, I'm a vegetarian, and like being in the South, there's all this wonderful, delicious like Southern barbecue and wonderful food that I just can't have. So uh, it's it's a bit of a bummer. But um, yeah, there is there are, there are some options here and there, and you know specifically in like the meatless thing going on. 
but yeah, I, I love Burger Up and um, I love Five Point Pizza. Five Points Pizza mm. a lot is yes is a, is a favorite. Yes, that's that's my pizza spot in in Nashville for sure. I also had Joey's House of Pizza, which is close yes. to the String Joy shop. Yeah, that was solid, too. very solid, and very out of the way. <laughs> it's just like not buy anything, which is kind of yeah, weird for sure. All right, man. Well, that was fun. Um, let's get into the last few questions of the podcast, and we'll we'll wrap this bad boy up. Move sure, on to yeah. Patreon. Uh, first of all. This is your chance to put up a billboard. You can say whatever you'd like to say. If you have something you want to get out to a few thousand people, this is a good time to do that. Oh, am I plugging? <laughs> you can plug. You okay. can say, um, I love you, mom. You can say whatever you want. Um, I guess I just want to say, like, uh, hang in there, everybody. I know it's been just the craziest possible year, and I, I understand that I'm young enough to not really have context fully for what, that really means and how crazy of a year it actually was. But I think, I think we're, I think we're on our way out and I think things will get better. Um, so I just want to send some positivity out there to the world, uh, to hang in there, everybody. And, um, yeah, stay, stay tuned for what, uh, some new pedal releases from different companies have been, uh, have been kind of teased and we're still, we're all still working on things, you know, we're all, we're all still developing cool new, ideas and you know just from home so uh i would say stay positive and support local businesses and small businesses because they really need it right now and um you're helping stimulate the economy and you're helping keep people's dreams alive at the same time it's a win-win i love that that's that's a perfect perfect message to wrap this thing up on that's great okay we're gonna get into the last couple classic questions here the next one being what is your favorite boss pedal Ooh, oh man there's so many uh i really like the rv5 um that's been a favorite of mine um, i've been diving deeper into like some of the newer reverbs like the dr scientist atmosphere oh, and man, uh so like the, the chase plus dark world with you know and everything like that um so i am kind of diverting from <laughs> one of my favorites um I really like the Dimension C, of course. Like that's that's always a favorite. Um, really like the slow gear. I think the slow gear is really cool, and I want to see them redo it and hopefully get like a Wazicraft version, um, just because I think that's such a unique pedal. Um, if I had to pick another one, let me think. I really like the blues driver, too. Okay. Just the standard, the standard blues driver. I think that's, in my opinion, if I had to have a gain pedal, like a boss gain pedal, it'd probably be that. I'd probably pick the blues driver over like the SD one or the DS one or OD one. Blues driver is a great circuit. I I don't know why I don't have one, but every time I play one, I'm like, oh, this is a good pedal. A yeah, it has like a it. sweetness to it when you roll like the gain back, and I think. I think some of that's what some of the other gain pedals from Boss are like lacking is like when you a lot of them I feel like when you turn the gain down they are like they still have a sound but it's just not as exciting you know it's like a lot of the excitement of Boss pedals is like medium to like heavy gain you know mm -hmm. when you turn it all the way up and um, I, I think the Blues Driver still has that like stratty kind of sweetness to it when you roll it back a bit and I like that good answer you got good answers all around. I, cool. I like I like your thoughts on this. <laughs> all right, this is the last question. You sort of kind of answered it, but you've lived in a lot of different places, so this this might be like this might be a little a uh, little more wide ranging than than regional. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Ooh, um, right now I'm on the I'm kind of on the cauliflower pizza cake, just because uh, you know it's. It's like a gluten-free option, and um, yeah, it's just like something a little different for me right now. Um, but when I wasn't a vegetarian and I first moved to Boston, um, I got introduced to uh, like the buffalo chicken pizza, mm -hmm. and I hadn't had that wasn't like a thing where I was from. I kind of 
And there was like a there was a moment where I had that for basically like six months. I just like that was the only pizza I would have some buffalo chicken pizza. Um, so I definitely missed that. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's my favorite though. Um, I used to be just like a pepperoni guy though, and I felt like I felt like it was like really good. Uh, ordering pepperoni pizza is like a really good litmus test for a pizza place, right? It's like how you audition the pizza place in your mind. I mean, yeah, that if pepperoni is just that's the crowd pleaser. Uh, I, if I'm gonna go to like a very like New York style, I, I'll actually go even simpler and go like, how's that cheese slice? Yeah, Would, uh, give me that two dollar yeah. cheese slice for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like like if you can do that, like we'll 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 go from there. And as a matter of fact, there are some sometimes where a straight cheese slice, and I didn't understand this until maybe three four years ago, where a straight cheese slice is like. Oh no, this is actually better. Yeah, than... it's sometimes what's needed, right? You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes just the cheese pizza is like hitting the spot. Yeah. I didn't I'm, believe I'm that for you. my most of my life. I was like, Dude, I need I, all I, of everything. I'm the same. Yeah, I grew up I was like, I need <laughs> toppings on my pizza. Like it's just not exciting without toppings and then like I don't know. It's like eventually I'm just like, oh, okay, I see it. This is just like simple and perfect. Mm-hmm. Kevin McAllister was right. Cheese He's pizza right. is yeah he was right <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, cheese pizza is the Telecaster of pizzas. Mm. Of, you know what I mean? It's just maybe like, even the Esquire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you're, you're on my train of thought here. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that. That's <laughs> great. Well, I feel like that's a pretty good place to to wrap this on on up. What do you say? Yeah, yeah I think so, man. Uh, thank you so much for for doing this. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. Yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, we've known each other for a few years, so I'm glad I got to be on an episode. So thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it and really appreciate what you do for the community. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. For AWOL, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All righty. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. It was a good time and way, 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 way overdue. If you want to check out everything that AWOL's up to, Yes, that is a nickname, by the way. His name's Aaron, but everyone calls him AWOL, so that's what it is. So, if you want to check everything that he's up to, check out his website. It's in the show notes. Go to his Instagram, all that good stuff. And if you want to hear even more of the conversation, you can go to Patreon and help support the show and also get additional bonus content. So, if you go to patreon.com slash tonemob, You can check it out, and for five bucks a month, you will get additional episodes every week with guests of this podcast. More audio content for your ears, most often in the form of extended interviews with that week's guest, which is a lot of fun. Some of my favorite conversations have been had on there, especially last week's with the boys from Softkill. That was fantastic. This week with AWOL is fantastic as well. So you go to patreon.com slash tonemob. You can check that out. Additionally... If you want to help support the show, keep this thing going with your gear buying habits. You're already buying gear anyway. If you could do that through tonemob.com sweetwater for anything that they carry, they really help out the show a tremendous amount. And for the stuff that they don't have available, tonemob.com reverb also helps out as well, especially if you're going into the used gear or anything that Sweetwater doesn't carry. They help out as well. So tonemob.com slash sweetwater or tonemob.com slash reverb. All right, I'll stop jabbering at you and let you get on with your day, but thank you so much for getting this far with me, and I'll talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, And I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style. Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help 
everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.